Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Believe in the fight game. Hello, everyone. This is Charles Yao with Believe in the Fight Game on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team and every sport in L.A. and more. We believe in sports. Do you believe? Hey, it's Charles here with Believe in the Fight Game. And today I'm going to be covering a few really good topics. Obviously, we can't avoid not talking about the elephant in the room with the coronavirus there. But we're going to start off with MMA's unpredictability. And I'm going to use the most recent UFC fight night on March 14th that just took place to back up that point. Also, since... A lot of us here on Believe Are have been professional broadcasters for a while. I'm going to give you a quick how to watch a fight guide since being a broadcaster. And I'm going to utilize the recent pay-per-view event of UFC 248. And then also, uh, we'll cap on how the jiu-jitsu community actually reacted swiftly. And I want to give a ton of props to the black belts that decided to close out and take care and watch out for their students' health instead of thinking about money. But first off, so we'll talk about UFC Fight Night March 14th, right? Right now, it is a great time to be an MMA fan. I'm only going to talk about one or two fights because if I cover the whole fight night and same thing with UFC 248, then we're going to be here for like a full four-hour podcast. But I want to talk about Charles Oliveira against Kevin Lee. First off, Kevin Lee... I feel is reminiscent of project basketball players like Andrew Bynum has the body, has the height, has the capability, but just needs coaching. And when Kevin Lee announced that he decided to go with Faraz Zahabi as a coach, I was like, you know what? I'm excited to actually catch that. I really thought that he was going to be a big, big improvement in psyche in enhancing your physical prowess and be a little bit more technical. And for those of you who don't know Farah Sahabi, we're talking about the lead coach of the TriStar Gym in Quebec, uh, Canada, or if not Montreal, if I'm correct. Farah Sahabi has a stable of correcting Kenny Florian's and improving Kenny Florian's uh, fighting style. Also, you know, you have Rory McDonald and George St. Pierre. With Farah Sahabi, he's definitely one of those uh, legendary coaches for mixed martial arts. He's also a Henzo Gracie lineaged black belt. So, you know, what he knows what he's doing both in stand-up and in jiu-jitsu. An interesting thing is, because I thought Kevin Lee would be far more disciplined, he actually missed weight. And the fact that he lost the, the fight is a little bit unorthodox because normally the fighters who actually maintain as close as possible to the weight that they have, which he missed by 1.5 pounds, 
they normally don't make weight and win the fight. So in that case with Charles Oliveira, it was very hard to predict. Though it became a round three win for Charles Oliveira at 28 seconds. In the case of Charles Oliveira, this guy is an actual true jiu-jitsu stud. Choking him with a guillotine choke. The interesting thing about the fight was the technical display of Charles Oliveira. I mean, there's a couple of times it looked like he could have had Kevin Lee in a, in a twister. And Charles Oliveira started the fight also with really good stand-up. You take a look at someone like Kevin Lee, he also brought some heat. And it looked like it was going to be evenly matched until Kevin Lee actually got guillotine choked by round three. And the interesting fact that he went after Charles Oliveira after he tapped. And then the referee at that point had to stop him because he kept going. Which makes me believe that he was he actually passed out for a little bit. Being choked out by a purple belt. Dimitri uh, Guvovich with John Jocks Machado. I was training at a friend's house, Yoshi, up in the hills in the valley. Uh, he just basically cross-collar choked me. And from what people told me, it was just about two, three seconds. But I just passed out and then woke up right away. I mean, I knew because I roll egoless that I was choked out. But you could have told me like, hey, you just fell asleep. And that's the same thing that happened with Kevin Lee. I I'm still a white belt, but getting when you start rolling with a purple belt, you will know that it's a high level person in grappling, especially someone coming from the Jean-Jacques Machado lineage. As far as for that fight with Charles Oliveira versus Kevin Lee, you couldn't tell who was going to win. You could predict, but that's what I love about MMA right now, where it's really any man's game or any, any person's game. The second fight I wanted to talk about is Damon Maya versus Gilbert Burns. Now, both of these guys are studs. If it's a strictly BJJ match, I would clearly give it to Damon Maya. So at the beginning of the round, Damon Maya pushes the ground action, but you know, he got caught with a left hook. He's fighting off an orthodox stance. For those of you who don't know, you lead with your right and your power punches your left. Gilbert Burns was leading with an orthodox, meaning he leads with his left and his power hand is his right. And he got clocked and knocked with a left hook. In the very beginning, Damon Maya rear mounts Gilbert Burns. And then as towards the middle of the round, he gets caught and clipped. I thought Damon Maya was going to win that. Maybe it's because I favor Damon Maya because I know he's a jiu-jitsu legend. Go YouTube him. You'll know why a lot of people revere Damon Maya in the jiu-jitsu community. And he's one of those few guys in MMA that said, you know what? My main base, and you will know my main base is jiu-jitsu, but I'm fighting in MMA, so I'm developing my stand-up. And he's respected. He's absolutely respected. So that's an interesting event to watch, which is the most recent fight night on March 14th. Now, I want to also pass some advice to you guys. After being a podcaster and broadcaster, there's, there's a way you can watch fights. And now this is easier to watch it post-fight when you want to become an analyst or you just want to become analytical. There's your reaction live. And then you watch the fight in, in for fighter A's perspective. What is fighter A doing? How is fighter A winning or losing? And then by the time you get to the third time you watch it, you want to watch it in the perspective of fighter B. How is fighter B winning? How is fighter B reacting? And how is fighter B losing in that case? 
And that gives you a better perspective. You know how some people prefer to rewatch the fights or watch it live with the volume down? It made a big difference for UFC Fight Night on March 14th. And here's what I mean by that. I feel like the judges are better off judging without an audience. And this is what I mean by that. And for those of you who are hoop fans, judges are influenced just like basketball, right? Let's say it's a Lakers home game. It's LeBron James. It's the last minute. And he drives to the basket and he's within the the box, the free throw box, right? And there's a second circle around there. If he's within three feet within that inner circle, technically he can drive to the basket and the person defending in that circle cannot be called for a blocking foul or cannot be called, cannot call LeBron James for a charge. If that person is outside that small circle near the hoop and LeBron James drives to the basket, he can be called for an offensive foul, regardless if they just jump in. It's a little bit subjective, but it's pretty much straight up. But what happens in a basketball game is if it's the last play, let's say, LeBron James is within the free throw box, and then now he's fast approaching the small circle closest to the basket. And let's say the person defending is right outside that small circle, and LeBron James bowls him over. You bet if it's a home game, the referee is going to change his mind or triple think about it in calling a charge or a block. And that's the same thing with mixed martial arts. The one thing with, with fighting, though, is if it's a knockout, it's a knockout. But here's what I mean. You have to look at where the position of the judges are and the commentators are. So in this case, where let's say there is a large audience, it's, it's a Vegas packed event and you want to take a look at where the judges are at and where the commentators are at. For some reason, a lot of the commentators have the best view. It's unobstructed. And that makes it more quantifiable and explainable to the listening audience. But if the judges are placed normally right by the cheerleading set, not the cheerleaders, the ring girls, sometimes two out of the three judges, their view can be obstructed 50% of the time. So sometimes you're reacting according to what the crowd wants. And we all know if the crowd is split, let's say if it's an Irish crowd, Conor McGregor in Las Vegas, lots of white people or people of European descent are in attendance. Anytime Conor throws a punch, even though if it lands, it's, even though if it lands on a glove, guess what? They're going to scream and cheer. If you don't see that, then you're going to assume that Conor's doing damage. And it could work for the opposing time. If you're a judge and your view is obstructed, you don't know what the true happenings are occurring. If sometimes even a referee who is dead close to the fighters, but just because of one perspective, one view, one angle, that referee may not even see that the person could be belly down, arm barring someone. And guess what? That arm's already broken. The fighter may not be willing to tap, but should tap. But you should stop the fight. And sometimes certain positions, let's say if if the referee is concentrated on the bottom part of the fighters and he's not realizing, you see this all the time in jiu-jitsu, like, hey, the guy's choked out just because it's an odd position. Let's say both fighters, one fighter's get, getting rear-mounted and is facing the cage. And you can't see if the person's knocked out already. It's not like both fighters are, 
are always going to be visually easy to call, let's say both they're both facing up, then you'll see if a fighter's passed out. Even recently, there's a fighter who was fainting as if he was injured and the referee had to call a fight to where it's like, no, it's done. But the fighter was just mongoose boxing. He was just faking and fainting. So that way he could trap someone into coming in and he could counter and actually go straight blast even. So for me, I feel like there was there was a really good revelation about watching uh, this most recent UFC fight night where the judges had clear view. The commentators had clear view. They're not going to be swayed by an audience. Sure, the coaches are there and they can scream. To a certain degree, I do like the fact that they hosted this event in the sense of showing us that how the judges can be way better, way more analytical. And they can come up with a better decision because there isn't an audience and the views aren't obstructed. So that's a little bit of food of thought on watching a fight where there isn't an audience. Now I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit more on how to watch the fights three different ways, live, perspective A, and perspective B. So on UFC 248, I want to give a shout out to a lot of the fighters. And again, I'm not going to go through everything because this recording would last way too long. But Sean O'Malley, after a two-year layoff, he won an around one TKO at two minutes, two seconds. Neil Magny, roughly about a year and a half off, a year and a quarter off, wins convincingly in a three-round decision. Looks even better than his last fight. And I thought Lee was prematurely labeled a favorite. I've never seen this guy, Lee. Look, I'm half Chinese. I'm not even trying to be racial about it. But I've never seen this Chinese guy fight. I've seen Neil Magny fight. But I thought it was just way too premature because Neil Magny's been off for a year and four months. And he hasn't fought. That's not enough reason. Rodolfo Vieira wins by arm triangle. Round one at 2 minute 58 second mark. Amazing. Look at his left eye. This guy's a real grappling warrior and won through and represented the BJJ community. The co-main event and the main event. The first fight, Zhang Weili versus Joanna, Joanna Jenjacek, right? And this is easily labeled as the best female fight ever. But it should be up there as far as for the spirit of just equality's sake. Maybe one of the best fights, top 10 fights. But I also don't want it to fall under recency bias. But this is a case where two girls put it out on the line. And everyone knows by now that it was a way better fight than Yoel Romero versus Israel Andesanya. This was a fantastic fight. I wish I would have seen a little bit more grappling, but guess what? Zhang Weili tried to take down Joanna Jenjacek, and Joanna wasn't having it. So it's not like we can't say, oh, it's a, a narrow-minded fight. They just wanted to stand up and back. Yes, they did. But at the same time, Zhang Weili was trying to incorporate all her skills and take her to the ground, but props to Joanna. Take down defense on Zhang Weili. Now, there's also a point where Valentina Shevchenko was a guest on the Ariel Hawani show. 
And she talks about Zhang Weili versus Joanna Jen Jacek. And she has a really good point about pure martial arts, right? What is pure martial arts? What is the purpose of fighting? Actually, yes, it's true. I thought that Joanna was better in this fight and she had, she had more, um, you know, like Weili, she uh, just went forward and she didn't like just like had to strike and uh, actually it was a uh, competition of who had stronger head who <laughs> has stronger sheen so um in my opinion right it's like kind what is the art of martial arts what is the like what you have to show for the fans you have to show your skill use your skill to damage your opponent and not getting these hits, not receiving any. This is like the pure martial arts. If you don't have enough, like, pa uh, not power, but arms, I mean, enough technique, what you have to do? Just go forward and hit. It's easy. Like, it's easy. So, so you just like do what you can. But when you have more in your arsenal, more arts, more arms, you can, for example, not only hit, but also you can choose any technique. You can spin, you can go wrestling, you can go like down, like whatever. And this is, in my opinion, that this is true definition of martial arts. So I agree with her that the best will hit and not get hit. Let's take a look at Floyd Mayweather. A lot of Filipinos and Mexican fighters they look at Manny Pacquiao. This guy, head bobs, head bobs, jab, jab, cross, maybe zoom out. But for the most part, Manny Pacquiao will stay in the pocket. And Manny Pacquiao's advantage is really him being a southpaw and then he, you know, weaves to your left. You look at Floyd Mayweather, wow. I mean, this guy, he's talk about fighting and preserving your health and being pinpoint and accurate. This guy's like a ninja. He's a sniper. He's going to walk you down, stay in the pocket, and then avoid you. So I agree with Valentina Shevchenko in her perspective on the fight. And that's one perspective to where if you want to argue where, you know what? Yes, there's action, but some people prefer the greater fights to be a clear winner. Where this one, a lot of people loved it because you didn't know who won. I mean, honestly, watching this fight live, I thought Joanna had a clear chance of winning. And I'll tell you towards the end of uh, my review on this Zhang versus Joanna fight where I feel Zhang Weili won. I, and I'm not talking in being culturally biased because I am half Chinese. But anyways, Valentina makes a statement on... Zhang Weili's level of fighting, which I'll tell you my opinion after her answer on on her opinion on Zhang Weili. She did good. She did good. She's strong, but you could see once she start like get the real competition, the real level of martial artists, the top level fighters, the top level of opponent of opponents. Now she has this struggle. You could see how difficult was this fight with Joanna, her fight, how difficult it was. And I really um, don't see Whaley defending her belt in the next title fight. I disagree with Valentina Shevchenko's perspective on that. 
I thought you have to give Zhang Weili props. Yes, she is correct that she hasn't seen that type of competition, but she fought during these championship rounds. Now, maybe round three, Zhang's energy dip. And whenever you have the middle point of round three, sometimes that's a decisive round. But no. Because here's like what I said in the beginning of the show. There's ways you can watch the fight, right? I'm talking about post-fight analysis. There's the live, perspective A, and perspective B. But also the other thing that you have to consider is impact versus volume. Now, Joanna is a high-volume lander, which is great, right? Which is why I fell in love with her as a fighter. You take a look at her kickboxing record, amazing fighter. High-volume, technical, sharp, lands a ton of strikes. But with Zhang Wei Li, her impact was stronger. She took one or two, she gave back one or two. But those one or two were way stronger. She would take the double jab and then boom, hit you right back with a strong right cross. And also, this is why sometimes even judging without an audience was an interesting perspective, as I've mentioned about UFC Fight Night. If there's no hematoma on Joanna, that scorecard may have changed. If there's no hematoma, Joanna may have won enough to take that away from Zhang Weili even with my argument of impact versus volume. But that hematoma is a clear example of how strong the impact of Zhang Weili was. I think there was only one or two punches that caused that hematoma, but still it's symbolic of how hard she hit back. And also, by the way, the Chinese market is way too big to ignore. You have to factor that in. I'm not... Being racist to my own kind, I'm half Chinese again, Filipino and Chinese. You know, that's also another factor. John Jones, you don't think the UFC's dying to have Connor rise back up to his prominence? So those are other factors on how to watch a fight. And then talking about the main event, Israel Andesanya versus Romero. The future of Andesanya versus Jones, I think, is bright. It was a boring fight, but... You have to enjoy the strategy and the tactical moves of the fighters. You know, there's this trend of watching your opponent and getting them to react to your movement. And that's normally Israel Andesanya's technique. But, you know, he tasted a blitz from Yoel Romero in the first round, and that was it. He tasted that overhand left, and it was done. Israel decided that I'm going to keep this belt by fighting cautiously. I'm not going to give in. And then with Romero, he has this super weird cadence where he'll wait, he has an orthodox rhythm and timing, and then boom, he launches a blast. And after that blast, if it's not successful, then it's a lot of waiting, a lot of posturing, a lot of up and down, level changing without action. So it's very, very hard to predict what, what Romero was, was going to do. And if you ask me who made it more boring... I blame Romero because you have the opportunity to take the belt. You got to go get it. This is a big, big opportunity. Romero has had three fights where I wouldn't be opposed if he won within his last three fights. These two are counter-strikers. Was it boring? Yes. But in the end, it's what you do. And I thought Israel Andesanya, since he had the belt, he can afford to play 
hey, come take it. But Romero had the chance. I mean, whenever you're the wolf climbing back up again, you got to go get it. Maybe his age, maybe we are on this pattern and trend to where he'll fight really great, but not do enough to lose, not do enough to win. But either way, I thought Romero had to take it. And I'm excited for for Israel if he does get a John Jones fight. He's 6'4", he's a tall guy. I think it would be amazing. And speaking of a trend of of downward fighting ability, maybe we're witnessing that with John Jones. So there's ways you have to watch the fight. And that's a good example of watching it live, right? I just thought right after that overhand left from Romero, Israel decided to have a game plan of, I'm going to do enough just to win. I'm not going to push the action, which leads it to be boring, but that's a champion trying to keep his throne. He just basically built a moat around his castle and made it difficult and slung arrows. And Romero needed to do everything, catapult everything, build a bridge across that moat to get to that castle, which he didn't do. And finally, you know, I can't ignore what's happening in regards to this big coronavirus thing. There's been a mixed reaction from the MMA community. However, the jiu-jitsu community actually was pretty fervent in watching out for their students' health, right? So I want to give a big shout out to Marcelo Garcia, uh, Kenny Florian's Meraki BJJ, Keenan Cornelius, uh, Team Checkmat from Leo Vieira, John Jacques Machado, who holds his very special place in my heart. They all decided to close up and you know what? We better watch out for the health of our students. So we're going to make it about preserving the health and not worry about making money. That's a big deal. So here's some audio on Marcelo Garcia talking on, on his Instagram account, uh, addressing to the public like that the school will be closed. We are closing a gym for the next two weeks. Hope things get better. If you need, we close a little longer. But for now, I believe that's the right thing to do. We just expand our gym, but we believe we're doing the right thing. I wanted my students stay healthy right now. I don't want nobody to get sick. And then we have to close the gym after this. I believe we're being proactive right now. And just so you guys know, I have a high risk at home. That's one of those reasons I cannot be in the gym right now. My daughter was born very early. She was a premium. I cannot take this risk. I prefer to everybody stay safe right now. And we went through a much difficult things than before. That's why I believe we can pass to this. Maybe it takes a little longer, but we're going to pass to this. I just want everybody to stay safe, strong, and healthy. And props to Marcelo Garcia for actually announcing that he's one of the earliest ones that decided to close the gym and watch out for his students' health. Uh, Bernardo Faria in the jiu-jitsu community. He um, is the co-owner of BJJ Fanatics, legendary in the jiu-jitsu community of his heavy, heavy guard pass game, half guard game. And he decided to give everyone a free video Whatever series you decide to watch. And here he is announcing it on Instagram. Hey guys, Bernardo Faria here. Guys, yesterday we ended up closing my school here in Massachusetts because of the coronavirus. And then I spent a lot of time thinking like how could I support the Jiu-Jitsu community in this tough time. 
And then the conclusion I got was, I'm giving away here uh, one of my instructional videos for all of you to make sure you guys can watch some jiu-jitsu while you are at home doing nothing. And uh, all you have to do is to go to bjfanatics.com and use the coupon code FARIAFREE on one of my videos. You're going to get $77 off and uh, the price of the instructional is $77. So this was just like a quick way I found to try to support all of you who are at home doing nothing and locked at home. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And it's going to be a huge honor for me to have you watching one of my videos. Os. So that's Bernardo Faria allowing people to get some free love on BJJ Fanatics. I have a strong opinion in regards to MMA still, you know, because it is a little bit larger scale of entertainment one championship canceled all their events and they're tentative but most likely won't start till may 29th in manila scott coker a lot of love a lot of love to scott coker of bellator and is paying all the employees all the staff the cameramen maintenance the fighters everyone's getting paid he's paying all the employees what what a what a gallant guy and hopefully he gets his reward via karma financially or just by being revered in the community. Now, with UFC Brazil, even though I watched it, I disagreed about pushing forward with the fights. You have to see this as protective health, right? You have to protect all your fighters. And honestly... It is selfish of me to watch it still, but I would have been okay as a preventative measure. But then again, you're dealing with Disney dollars, right? You're dealing with ESPN. And here's Dana White talking to Michael Lees from ESPN, talking about the UFC's uh, status during the coronavirus update. Yeah, so yesterday the governor of Brazil issued a decree uh, limiting the size of public events. So we are going to do the event live from Brasilia um, on ESPN and ESPN Plus tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, Saturday, and, uh, and we're, we're, we're going ahead with it. You can't have over 100 people there, so we will just have the staff that's running the event inside the arena that night. And then on this next question, Michael Eves asked Dana in regards to the next fight in London. Well, that event's going to proceed as planned. Uh, we're working closely with the government uh, if there's any changes over there, but as of right now, that event is moving forward. And here's Michael Leeds asking Dana, March 28th, which is two weeks from now. I'm launching this on, on March 15th, two weeks from this podcast launch about still pushing through with an event. Yeah, so Columbus, uh, the governor today issued a ban on public events over 100 people in a single room. So we're actually going to move that event to the Apex, our arena here in Las Vegas that we own on our campus here in, uh, in Las Vegas. And we are, uh, you know, we're working directly with the Nevada State Athletic Commission and Executive Director, uh, Executive Director Bob Bennett on implementing a process to screen athletes before they compete. So one, one of the things that we always do, we're always looking out for the health and safety of our fans, our athletes, whatever it might be. You know, obviously, this thing going on, we're, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to make sure that two healthy athletes are competing and uh, these guys are good to go. We've, we've reached out to, to most of our fighters. Uh, you know, we haven't reached out to the whole roster yet. We have 600-something fighters. But these guys are ready to go. They want to fight. They want to compete. And uh, we're going to do everything we can to keep them safe. So for me, 
even though selfishly I still watched the event, but I would have been good and I totally would have understood if the UFC decided to cancel their events. Either they're going to be seen, when I mean they, uh, I mean the UFC and ESPN, either they're going to be seen as these visionaries and I'm going to eat crow about my opinion and I hope I'm actually wrong so that way no one gets infected as far as for participants on the event. Whether if you're a staffer, you're a judge, you're a coach, you're a camera op, obviously the fighters or even the promoters. Thanks for tuning in to the show and please subscribe and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We're also available on your favorite directories aside from iTunes, such as Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V-E.com. And Believe Podcasts on social media. Now, if you want to get at me personally, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Plug12. That's P-L-U-G-O-N-E-T-W-O. Hit me up and I'll read your questions or maybe even have you on the show. Believe in the fight game. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.